Hello and welcome to the Tech Lunch Podcast, where we encourage our listeners to learn something new about tech every week. This can range from learning about new and exciting applications to the advancements in coding and technology. If you are always learning, you will always be a step above the rest. Take the time during lunch or during a break to listen and learn, kind of like a lunch and learn, but for the years. This podcast will open the listeners' ears to new and exciting technologies they may have not been purviewed to in the past. These topics will range from manufacturing technologies to data collection technologies and everything in between. Hello, I'm Nick. Hey, I'm John. Hello, I'm Nick. And, you know, this week we're going to kind of, you know, play a a, a twofer and, you know, kind of talk about, you know, robots and drones. You know, oh my, at this point. You know, it's it's really, you know, when you kind of debate on, you know, what is a robot? You know, is it a six-doff, is it a, you know, six-doff robot arm? Is it something that's, you know, a movable piece of machinery? Um, or, you know, is it a humanoid-looking, you know, robot that walks and talks and, you know, kind of stares back at you? You know, we've all seen the movies, so, you know, go from there. Mm-hmm. So, but... Then you talk about what is a drone, you know, it's, you know, is a drone a automated drone, automated guided vehicle? Is it a helicopter drone? Hmm. Is it a delivery drone, airplane, whatnot? You know, is it a surveillance? Is it for moving people? Hell, freaking, I think it is what Walmart or Amazon, I think it's Walmart. I think Walmart, That's trying yeah. to do, that's trying to do drone delivery. You know, it's, it's, it's one of those things, you know, but. Yeah. It's just, you know, when, when we start talking about robots and drones, you know, it, it's, it's, you know, a very interesting world that we, that we dive into, but, you know, when y'all hear that, you know, starting from what is the basics moving towards more of our, you know, advanced, you know, and open source worlds, um, what are y'all thinking? Well, I think, uh, if you talking robots, I guess <clears throat> the classic from, I would say a classic definition would be uh, you uh, assemble some uh, electronics, motors, uh, some uh, electronics to control the motors, uh, and then uh, you would write some code, and then with that code, um, the robot would go out, you know, whether you're using some type of sensor for uh, avoidance or detecting objects so it could move around, so something simple, it's like, say, a robotic vacuum cleaner or mm-hmm. a robotic lawnmower. Um, and a, and a drone would be a little bit different. A drone, although it would have some of those pro- those properties and characteristics, a drone is also probably going to have more of a tethered mm-hmm. um, relationship with the human. So, yeah, you would have some, some code, I would say more like firmware, that would be basis, but the human is probably doing most of the avoidance or navigation. Now, you uh, brought up the... the um, uh, the, the robot vacuum cleaner. Mm-hmm. How come they avoid everything in your house? Everything in your house. Until you have a, a puppy that really wants to relieve itself on the carpet. Then decides it's going to drag it through the house. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, I mean, if it's anything like me, my cats just like kind of stand in the way and they just hit it and it's like, no, I'm not moving. You have to go around. <laughs> There's always little spots when but cats yeah. are standing. No, I mean, you, you raise a good point though, Ed. Like, I... I that's exactly the way I was I was thinking. It's like, hey, well, to me, when does it, is it a robot becomes a drone at a certain point or a drone becomes a robot at a certain point? 
um, or what defines you know either. Um, I think the user or the input from the uh, from the user rather um, or data from something you know user controlled is guiding that. So I mean, for instance, the Walmart somebody's buying something, mm -hmm. so then I'm hoping. <laughs> that Walmart has some type of pilot that drives that drone to your house or, or something like that. That's the same. It's very similar yeah. to what we're getting to with Uber and, and Uber Eats and DoorDash and things right. like that. Yeah. Like, it, to me, I wouldn't be surprised in the next 10, 5, five 10 years if that, with the emergence of the automated driving and, and the ordering food like that, they combine them and they're going through the drive through People are making the food, putting it in the car, and the yeah. car goes to your house. Yeah, and it's like if you start talking about it, you know, when I start thinking about robots, you're really talking about, you know, if you're talking about, you know, your standard, you know, four off, six off robot yeah. arms, yeah. you're talking about the cuckoos, the ABBs, you know, that stuff that's out there right now. You know, you're talking about, you know, the design of a robot arm that has been the same for decades, yeah. right? And then you start moving more into the humanoid robots and stuff like that. When you start dealing with everything else, Boston Dynamics, right? The Boston Dynamics thing, the SpaceX thing that they're coming out with, yeah. um, or Tesla. Um, but then you start getting into your your like your drones. You know, you're, you start talking about automated ground vehicles and or guided vehicles. You talk about the iRobot. Mm -hmm. You know, that is an AGV, an interior AGV. <clears throat> you know, you have stuff that you're dealing with. You know, like SafeLog, for instance. You know, they make their their version of the AGVs. But also, then you have the wonderful world of you start getting like the delivery stuff that we we're talking about. You know, like the, the if you're talking about like how um, Walmart does it, Walmart does it with an aerial drone. They plug a GPS into the darn thing and send it. Yeah. You know, rip it and send it. You know, and uh, hold the package up too and let it go. I'd hope somebody was watching though. You know, they probably have a camera on board. <laughs> but the thing is, is no one's controlling it. It's flying yeah. by itself. So it's, you un know? it's untethered. It's untethered. It's often, it's, you know, it's like, if you think about it, we have military drones that are miles, that are, that are hundreds of thousands of miles away from each individual pilot. You know, and all they are is sitting back watching. You know, the, 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 the airplane, the, the, the plane itself is flying on autonomous route. You know, that it knows which way to go, you know. And most of, most of your, your drones you can get from like Best Buy or whatever. Can do the same thing if you pro if you program right or write a or write a process in in Python, right? Um, and then you start getting that mixture of AGV and robot when you start dumping jumping into the KUKA AGV line, where the KUKA AGV line is this AGV that runs on four tires, four pneumatic tires, and it's got a four it's got a six Dolph robot arm on the back of it mm -hmm. that picks buckets off of counters and puts them down and puts them back up. Or what we've seen in the past, they put they, they use those to pull the print beds out of center printers. Yep. And move on to keep your printer system moving. Mm -hmm. You know, it's just many different ways of, you know, of, of getting it working of how you really want it to. Yeah, the printer's my preferred way. Though. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think the key, like I said, <clears throat> when, when we're talking about, uh, so somebody, um, I say monitoring. Well, that can be done almost the same way we use scenes to uh, monitor uh, networks. Yep. Uh, so basically, <clears throat> with the uh, evolution of AI, machine learning, and uh, uh, deep learning and data analytics, mm -hmm. those type of things can be taught over time. And then, like you said, we have GPS. And then, say, for example, if GPS um, somehow fails, you also have terrain. So you have cameras on board that can look at terrains yep. and 
Yeah. Okay, this is where I'm supposed to be. Hey, I'm north, west, south, east. Um, so I think th those are things that we'll probably put in, but it's it's a valid point that, um, yes, it's possible, but is it mature enough to, you know, with, with the landscape of the day with, like, the threat actors and nation states that are, you know, compromising infrastructure in countries, you know, you better have a robust uh, network. Yeah. Yeah. You mean, what was it, a couple months ago, we had, there was a software company's auto driver bricked yep. a whole bunch of cars, and they all went to one street, and they just stopped. So, like, yeah, you're not careful. Yeah. That car's yeah. going in your house. <laughs> so. Well, you know, nothing's perfect. Yeah, that's true. That's true. You know, every, everything is, everything, everything's capable of, you know, yeah. of everything else. Yeah, that's true. <clears throat> and, you know, I think that's kind of where, you know, you kind of see that the next innovation, you know, coming and stuff like that. You know, you got these secure protocols that they're using and stuff like that. You know, stuff that, you know, it's like, you know, even if we knew, we couldn't disclose, you know. But, you know, that where they, you know, they're self-protecting, you know, yeah. at that point. You know, it's like you start dealing with, like what you're talking about with terrain mapping. You start dealing in the homing, you know. And, you know, you're homing back using old school homing technology to home back to a target, you know, that, you know, your, your point of origin. Well, if you're going to use, you can use, always use RF or microwave and then you yeah. lay land a site, like the same way we do with phones. Yeah. You could set up some type of microwave tower and that microwave tower could be your uh, CNC, you know, yeah. a good CNC, a good command yeah. control center. <laughs> yeah, your, your, then, your relay and repeat center. Yeah, so then that, that will do, but, uh, like I said, the, the, the reason I, I bring up the security side of it, the reason it's so hard is because you cannot, for example, there are techniques now that uh, even in an air gap system that you you can do things where you can actually figure out keystrokes that are being pushed on, on uh, keyboards. Uh, there's even the electronic signals that are being, uh, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. uh, dispersed from you know, the uh, PCs or, uh, or so they, they can, yep. Yeah, mm -hmm. I mean, it's crazy. Like some of the stuff that they can do now, yeah. it's, it's wild. Like, uh, I think it was one, it was a university. I, I forget which one, but they did an experiment where they was able to have a device like a phone next to the PC mm -hmm. and the phone picked up all of the keystrokes and the phone sent the keystrokes Everything oh, wow. the person was typing in, like when he typed in the password, yeah. it, it sent it to the CNC. All right. Keep your phones away from my keyboard. Got it. <laughs> yeah, no thanks. Mm -hmm. I, mean, I mean, I'm saying like that's extreme. You're talking nation states. That's uh, pretty um, impressive, yeah. though. Yeah, you know, but th th those type of things are there because everything has a frequency. Yeah. You know, so even the power supply, they were even able to, to monitor the power supply and get information from the power supply. Just because of the, because it's it's a frequency, it's a switch mode power supply. Yeah. So it runs at a frequency. So they Makes were even sense. able to gather information from that. That's that's pretty incredible. I think that goes into what we were talking about the other day with was the SDR or something yeah. like that. Um, Think about it, that's how that's how sonar worked for the longest time. Sonar worked from listening in on you know other combatant commands, uh, you know submarines, ships, or whatever, mm -hmm. and listening to screws. You know, on the back of the submarines to determine how fast that screw was turning, depending on how fast it was going, yeah. and also depending on which direction it was heading, because it was using DF, 
or direct, direct direction finding, you know, stuff, you know, back in the day. Now it's probably a little different, but, you know, that's just, you know, how it goes. If I know how fast you're going and which direction you're going. I can hit you. I can hit some, I can use some mathematics. Yeah. And yeah. at least get within a, you know, yeah, exactly. punch right. into a, a targeting system. It'll determine where, how... And if it knows which direction you're heading, I can put a point on a map, and I can now figure out how long it's going to yep. take you to get to said point A. Yep. Point A or point B, and actually direction find you. You know, all I got to do is intercept you at that point, as long mm -hmm. as I know where you're at. Yeah. You know, and now if you've ever seen Down Periscope, you'd understand how that worked. Yeah. Um, uh, you know. I have not. Time for Red October? Yeah, I've seen that. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Down and Periscope, then, no. <laughs> yeah, he hasn't seen the comedy version of Hunt for Red October. Oh, okay. Right? <laughs> you know, and it's just, you know, next thing you know, everybody's going to be screaming Wolverines. Um, <laughs> you know, um, but it's just, you know, right now you start dealing with, you know, the greatest of the great, you know, going, you know, further into this, you know, further into robots and drones and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. That, you know, KUKA, for example, you know, and ABB for that matter, two of the biggest suppliers we got of robots right now. You know, we're putting forth so much technology in these things, you know, to support manufacturing objectives, to support small business, you know, for the pick-and-place robots. Ooh. And, you know, some of the painting robots, some of the paint booth, some of the small shop paint companies are buying these older ABB robots and putting them in their shops to help ease the load because we're dealing in a time of where we have an issue hiring people. So what's the best if you can't hire somebody? You replace them with a robot. It's, it, you know, it, it's going to cost you the same amount to hire a, you know, a robot programmer to come out and program the darn thing, you know, that it will for, you know, a couple months worth of salary of the human. And then you don't have to worry about it again. You know, you make sure you're, the, the, it's lubricated, make sure it's got power, make sure it's got air, and make sure it's got good cooling water for your welding with it. Yeah. And, well, I mean, there you the, go. The, the, <laughs> the main thing with robotics is uh, it's repeatability and it's doing, I would say, menial jobs. Yeah, yeah. consistency. You know, too. yeah. yeah. You know, so like for example, in the with the paint robot, so <clears throat> that robot can repeat at a certain uh, speed, you know, millimeters per second, um, over and over, and and never skip a beat. You know, now you have to deal with things like the, you know, the parameters that deal with the speed of the bell that's, you know, atomizing the paint. Then you have to deal with mm -hmm. like the shape air that's making the cone of the paint a certain, uh, you know, wider or, or thinner. And then you have to deal with like, okay, I have to have high voltage on here, but maybe I don't have high voltage on there. So it's, those are some of the things you have to look at, you know, with the robot. But once you do that program, it can repeat that. Whereas a human... It, it can set that equipment, mm -hmm. but at some point, it's some fatigue going to come in, yep. and then you'll get, you know, some, some defects. And it's like, if you think about it, like AGVs, for example, you know, you start talking about drones, you know, or automated ground vehicles. They repeat the same process over and over again, or they follow a pattern. You know, they, they follow an electrical signal that's embedded in the concrete mm -hmm. that points them from point A to point B. You repeat the same process all day long. Mm -hmm. No human wants to push a cart back and forth all day long. Just not how it goes. What's no. the price point? No, <laughs> well, yeah, you know, do anything for Snickers bar. Right? Yeah, right. <laughs> Klondike, uh, Klondike, Klondike bar. That's what it yeah. is. <laughs> you, you, you want to take like when, when you say you, you're, we're replacing a human. The goal for anybody. So when we're talking the digital revolution that's that's coming. Yeah, it's not to replace the human. It's not to replace people. It's to take that person and use that person 
as an expert for knowing what is supposed to be done in that process. Yeah. So you're getting a process expert. So like, say for example, and, and make the human better. <clears throat> yeah. And, and make the company more profitable right. because you give the human something that, that makes learn. meaning and yeah. it's, 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 it's a challenge to them and it's not the same thing over and over. You're gonna get a different product from that person, and it's a trade. You know, yeah. if, you're, if you're learning, you know, robot programming and maintenance, even from the smallest standpoint, same thing with drones. It's like the 3D printers. You learn a trade. Yep. You got that trade down pat. Mm-hmm. You got something you can write home about and say, hey, "Guess what? I know how to program a robot." Yeah. And they can throw that on your resume. Maybe go, you know, go do a couple classes, and guess what? Get certified in this stuff. Yeah. You know, and the, the thing is, it's not to, you know, like when I say replace a human. You know, it's more, let's say, you know, in a joking manner. Because, you know, I don't believe in fully replacing the human. It's like I believe what Ed does, you know. We want to make the best human possible. And what that is, is do, you know, pretty much, you know, human-machine interfaces. You know, where the human and the machine are working together. You know, having the interactions happen. Mm -hmm. You know, having that human take care of that robot, you know, for its things. Load it. Feed it. You know, let the robot do the the work that, you know, is back-breaking for the human and that's going to wear that human out. You know, but make sure they understand how to take care of that robot, you know, if something was to happen. Make them learn how to do the teach pinup. Make them learn how to freaking program it to get it to a point. You know, because then you got somebody who's now proud of what they do, proud of the station they work in, that they know every yeah. little bit about that particular robot. Totally they know, it. oh, man, they, think they, can tell, they can tell maintenance flat out, well, it's on the fritz because it did this, it did this, it didn't report the keystrokes, it didn't like what I was putting in the panel, it didn't like this, so now we might have to replace it. They know that robot down to the pat, which means which t- which takes our advanced analytics stuff we've talked about before, takes our machine learning stuff we've done before, and gets us to a point where we can replace that robot faster, quicker, and on time to prevent line stoppage. And minimal downtime. Exactly. And then I, I like to set up a question for uh, Champ. So he, here's the scenario. So you know, more and more people are. Um, discovering 3d printing and some of the advantages of uh, having a 3d printer and learning how to use this technology mm-hmm. um, how, how do you think that would affect say uh, a stem student that was wanting to learn about robotics what what do you think the benefit of having a 3d printer would do oh I I mean it's a great question because honestly I think that like so a mechatronic student, a engineering student or let's just say get down to someone who's visual learner it's it'd be groundbreaking for them because you could still be you know a smart student a stem student but you need to visually draw it on the board or you know i can't do my math this way i gotta stack apples and, and figure it out that way so to me I think it would change the game. It would it would not only speed up those that are visual learners, it would, honestly, I don't know how many times I've been caught just staring at my printer. It's mesmerizing. So it's it's something that's soothing. Um, and, and I think that not only that is it builds on, like 3D printing can be the spectacle, but it builds on the, I guess, creativity or the problem-solving, like, mind because then you're like, oh, man, the... My imagination is really my limit. So if I want to make something, let's say, to like be a robot arm mm-hmm. to remove this and keep it automated, I can do that. And that it, it just, it's an idea creator, mm-hmm. right? And I think that if, if it's also the way that you can make some of those ideas 
uh, a reality and I have a physical form for those things, it's also rewarding. Um, so not only will you, you know, stimulate that kid's life in showing them something that, I mean, 3D printers right now are not in every home. Like, unless you have a 3D printer, you're probably going to, like, watch it. It's going to be interesting, at least. If yeah. you've never seen it, you're going to watch it for, like, five, ten minutes. So if you're in a STEM environment and you're learning on things like that, that's that's probably much more than five minutes. You're probably going to, like, hook a kid for life on, on manufacturing and, and some of that thing. So... I think it would make more sense just so to have it in all those classes. You're saying 3AAS would be a thing. 3D printing as a service. Yeah. Uh, yeah. No, seriously. You come in. You come in. Um, you could do a lesson plan, you know, kind of like how um, did you guys have I, uh, the book fair used to come, mm-hmm. come in and, and there would yep. be uh, something like that. There would be a traveling library yep. that yep. We, we have in our hometown. Yep. So something like, like that where it's like, hey, you guys. Traveling are, STEM. Yeah, traveling stuff. You guys have reached out to us. We have a lesson plan. You want to learn about this. We're going to do 3D printing. And while these are printing, we're going to show you the prints we've already prepped so that you can see how it works. Like that right there, that's a field trip for... You don't have to go anywhere. Yeah, You don't have to go anywhere. That's a whole That's a whole kid's day. And if you tell them, hey, you don't have to do... We're not going to do any schoolwork. We're just going to go make some things and then have fun with those things. So I'm going to set up the next question for Nick. So, yeah. we we talked about robotics. We talked about uh, autonomous vehicles. Uh, we talked about uh, drones. Um, we've talked about cars that drive themselves. Uh, so, and we talked about making a better human. Mm-hmm. So, do you think three D printing? We're we're three D printing rockets now. Yeah. Do yep. you think it will be a day we'll three three, space? Y- yes. Do you think it will be a, a become a day? Will we 3D print Iron Man suit and make humans better? I think so. I think like we're getting. I, I, I think we're getting to. I think we're getting to a point of where we're we're printing with completely different materials and stuff like that. If you start, if you start printing, this is going to sound absolutely insane. In a world of you know carbon fiber nylon that does have a malleability to it. If you're talking about if you're using Kevlar infused, you know carbon fiber nylon, and you print that in such a thickness, at that point, as long as the weave of that of that um, uh, nylon and of that car uh, and of the um, um, like Nomex and of the Kevlar is intertwined correctly, it's bulletproof, you know. And so the thing is, is you can actually print replaceable plates for people. You know the the you know make them lighter. You know for the flight jackets and stuff like that. I'll tell you one thing: carrying a flak like that is heavy as hell. Um, I'm just gonna put it out there. Um, mm-hmm. You know helmets, for example. If you can 3D print a helmet that makes sense, that's bulletproof. That's a, that that's you know NIJ or NIJ level three rated. You know for nine mil and spall. Mm-hmm. You know or even just spall related. You know shrapnel. Then you're onto something. And I think that you know seeing that. You know, people printing a form-fitting, you know, exoskeleton to help people pick up stuff and carry stuff. As long as, you know, it's a little bit, and that's where you get the mix of this robotic and stuff like that, you know. Um, to carry, you know, heavier loads. Help, help the artillery guy, you know, carry the artillery shells back and forth, mm-hmm. you know, that, that are a little bit heavier than most. You know, same thing with the tank loaders, you know, loading the tank ammo and you know, the ammunition guys that we got out there in the fleet. 
Um, you know, those the guys who are the ammunition techs out there are the ones that are taking the back break. You know, let them do it. You know. So, so uh, it, just to follow up, just to give just give you a little bit more to go with. So, I mean, uh, we're we're using real gun technology. I mean, it's it's still yeah. in its infancy, and we're we're getting getting to the point. Um, maybe we could three D print these projectiles that still have the um, all the properties of a mortar, but without the properties of the weight of a mortar or a rocket or whatever we're using as a projectile. Oh yeah, you can print titanium. You got a you know titanium based you know um, penetrator, you know tungsten. Um, you know I'm not really sure. You start talking about centering technology, you know on the 3D printer and stuff like that. You can start printing some of that stuff. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know the the thing is is you know that also gives you know the you know the the combatant commands the ability to also 3D print their training material, their training ammo, like their their other uh, M203s. You know, you don't really get to shoot a whole lot of M203s, you know, in the Marine Corps or in the military for that matter, unless you're a grenadier or unless you're in a unit that does have a surplus of them where you can actually shoot the chalk rounds, pretty much a big giant round stuffed with chalk. You know, but those are still expensive. If you can 3D print the top of that, so when they come apart, you put it back together and send it on its way, mm -hmm. refill it and kick it back out, you know. But, or, you know, the HE rounds. HE rounds are very expensive. But if you can 3D print something that's got the weight and the mass of an HE round, you can get the gunners used to shooting that type of stuff. Yeah. You know, it, it's, it's you know, using it, and also the replacement parts in the motor pool. You know, we're using equipment that's, at on average, you know, older than most of us. You know, that's some of the newer, you know, land-based equipment. You start dealing with the Air Force guys, and those guys have got B-17s that are freaking older than most of their grandfathers. Yeah. You know? Um, however, they need to have their parts to stay airworthy. Yeah. You know, to keep those birds in the air and keep them to the best of their ability, you got to 3D print them. you got to 3D print the parts. You know, or 3D print the parts and send them off to get CNC'd. You know, if you can't 3D print the metal right there on site. Right. Yeah, I think I think I read the other day, it was, it was exactly someone got a, a, a metal for reverse engineering and 3D printing, kind of like a lost PLA casting yep. type style uh, model or, or a part for... And that's... That, that's a real cost-effective way. Yes. I can't tool that part anymore. I can't make yeah. that or machine that part, but I need that, or this entire jet is going to, or plane, or whatever, is going to be scrapped. You save millions of dollars. Even mm -hmm. though it's a little bit older, I bet you that part yeah. shows you that you can now start printing other parts. You know, it. Think about this. Think about, you know, when you talk about <clears throat> robots, drones, 3D printing, and stuff like that, you know, kind of the same realm, is you start getting into new career fields. You start opening the doors for new career fields. You start talking about what um, 3D printing engineers, freaking you know metallurgists, or or better positions for the metallurgists, mm -hmm. for additive manufacturing engineers. Yeah. You know, and the thing is, you take an additive manufacturing engineer, you throw them together with a robot engineer, and you got relativity space. You know, spit out a rocket with a you know with a cook yeah. arm and a spool of wire. Mm -hmm. You know, and yeah, and next thing you know it, you got a baby rocket. I mean, and then the the, the, <laughs> the the other thing to think of, and like I said, I, I'll, I'll pose another question to Champ, is, okay, we 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 all agree that 3D printing is a uh, tool that everybody welcomes, although it's, this is not new. This is, this technology has been around before. Yeah. It's just, it's, it's more yeah. accessible yeah. than it has been before. Um, 
but more mainstream. Can could you imagine or imagine, if you will, if we were able to send 3D printing technology to say Mars, and then you were able to take that 3D technology and to build infrastructure on Mars? Yeah, I think that that's actually probably the best route to go. So if we're not mm -hmm. already doing that, I think you should probably get on that NASA. Because <laughs> that's that's what we should be relatively doing. Relatively <laughs> space. Yeah, relatively space. The, they the want to launch ones, their... Yeah, send, send the Stargate yep. out into space. Um, so first off, I want to kind of touch on Nick's, Nick's question because mm -hmm. I wasn't thinking like Iron Man suit and defense. I was like your grandma with an Iron Man suit, like had some road rage and a vendetta. <laughs> <laughs> is coming after well, you. <laughs> the reason she sure can do bridge dangerous. real well. <laughs> the reason I, I, I brought Old Granny up, doing bridge wearing freaking Iron Man. Yeah, the there reason I brought up Iron Man when we say make better humans. So I I'm not a proponent of hey let's build this for destruction. Yeah. We the defense is necessary for every country. Every yes. country has to defend their borders. But when I start saying make it better humans, better humans mean I can make uh exoskeleton where a person can withstand pressures in the depths of the ocean. I can oh, yeah. make a, a a a exosuit that a person can withstand the, the vacuum of space. Uh, mm -hmm. Or I can use that for that person to be able to uh, lift heavy objects or, or whatever it may be. Yeah. Uh, and, and the reason it, like that exists already. it really yeah. it came to mind it's because a guy 3D printed a cosplay costume Totally yeah. for Iron Man suit. And it's like you know yeah. the, the, that type of stuff. You start you know also the exoskeleton stuff is you can help people who are, you know, who are paralyzed from the ways down walk again. Yeah, that that's it. You know, get them out there walking again, or at least you know be vertical for certain things. We've already we've seen that come up a little bit here and there. Yeah. You know, with some of the stuff, uh, some of the stuff is actually pretty cool. Um, so, but it's all pretty incredible. You know, Honda yeah. back maybe it's maybe been five seven years ago. Um, they made a exos, basically it was an exos skeleton where a person wore it on a lower body, and when they were doing work in like assembly, mm -hmm. it would put them in a position, ergonomic every time, mm -hmm. and they had people actually using these implants in Japan. Yeah, yeah, no, I've seen I, that. It, that to me that sounds like it should be something already. To be yeah. fair. But I kind of I, I do want to get back to the question that you were that you asked earlier about the infrastructure. Mm -hmm. I think that, yeah, what you were saying, Nick, relatively space wants to shoot out a, a, a printer. They're already printing their rockets and their engines, which is incredible. And uh, of course, NASA, the space station, has a printer on site uh, on board. So I wouldn't assume I would assume that the lunar, you know, station whenever it gets built is. Something right. similar, as well as onto Mars, which, of course, should be the goal is is to get right. out there. I, I believe a uh, thirty-three billion dollar contract was just offered yeah. to a company to build infrastructure on the moon. Yeah, they don't. I don't know what the contents of that contract state. I just know that I saw it the other day that thirty-three billion dollars was sent to this company yeah. to investigate and work on and prototype the how to build infrastructure. Um, yeah, because you, know, you go back moon. to it, you think about the developing countries and the developed, like, what what is a big thing that kind of sticks out? And it's, it is the infrastructure. How do we get resources? We talked about supply chain and those things, logistics. But this just goes hand in hand with that. And then, like, if you're able to get infrastructure onto the moon, I am very much so thinking 
there's not going to be like a, a half dozen of like construction workers just going ham on the moon building this thing. No, it, I'm I'm assuming it's going to be a lot of drones and a lot of ro- or mostly drones to be honest with you probably because it, yeah. it's not going to send a like a couple dozen. What astronauts going to build it? No, probably not. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, here's here's the second part of that question. So what what are the challenges? I can think of a few right off the top of my head, and then I'll let you two guys. You know the challenges of um, building not, not building on not building in space, but what are the challenges of making robotics and drones and uh, these type of machines we need to do these things for exploration of space? I, I think one of the biggest challenges is they still are dependent on humans. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So AI is not mature enough. You know, the machine learning is there, the deep learning is there, the data analytics is there, but the AI still, it's a little bit quirky. Yeah, it's a little, a little bit. bit quirky. Mm-hmm. And and sometimes it could be very unpredictable. Yeah, no, it tends to freak out a little bit. But for me, that's that's one of the things I see. Yeah. Now, it's like, yeah. that, that I go to the point of where, you know, you're, you're dealing with finite dust. You know, you're dealing with maintenance issues. You know, at that point, you know, until you can make something that is, you know, impervious to its surroundings, um, like, you know. Maybe you could hermetically seal. Possibly, but I don't stuff. know about you. We start dealing yeah. with, like, joints and stuff like that, though. Well, not not the joints. I mean, like, you can hermetically seal, but with the joints, you can make the joints. Um, you can mill or machine fine enough that it would be harder, and then you can pressurize inside. Yeah, so, so it blows don't you out. Keep, yeah. That, that would be something that you could do, but I don't know. Yeah, you that, start dealing with like brushless and brushes and stuff yeah. like that. It's just you start dealing with that that finite powder, that that moon based powder. If you've mm-hmm. ever seen it in person, yeah. you know, like Kennedy or someone like that, and you see it sitting there, mm-hmm. that's just you know thinner than chalk dust. Yeah, you know, it, it's it's like you know how do you build a you know I understand how you and build get the, something to stay. Like we build the rovers now. Yeah. You know the guys are really great. I mean JPL the guys at, at JPL NASA JPL are great. You know the stuff they've done with Curiosity, the stuff they've done with all these other rovers. You know that are that have been on Mars for you know decades at this point. You know and the ones that we've had sitting on the moon. Yeah. You know they know how to build them. Yeah. But the thing is, is the least amount of mechanical parts possible. Yeah. You know and it's all dry sump. You know, dry, uh, no um, uh, lubrication, you know, processes and mostly built off of air. Yeah. You know, but yeah. the thing is, if you think about it, if you start dealing with, like, construction robots, you're dealing with robots that have to weld. You're dealing with robots that have to stack. You're dealing with stuff that's going to have some punamics attached to it. And the big thing is, is, if you're dealing with a robot that has to weld of any sort, how are you getting an arc? Yeah. And when, and when there's no oxygen. In the vacuum. That's <laughs> what I was about to say. Like, But here's the thing. We said, three, we said 3D printing. Yes. So the key is the 3D printing has to be at a mature enough level that we can now we can now make some of these alloys, you know, with the 3D printing process. Mm-hmm. So it's no need to have an arc or a welding robot because I'm assuming it need to be modular. Yeah. Whatever we build needs to be like it need to fit together like Lego blocks. Mm-hmm. And then it, I'll, I'll throw this at Champ, and I know we're getting a little long. Um, well, what do you think about energy source? What are some solutions to uh, the energy source? So, so that's 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 particularly difficult because the current reason we haven't gone further or done anything like that is there is there is a statistical, I guess, or mathematical, I guess, uh, limit. Um, you know, 
the Newton's law of force force time force equals mass times acceleration. If, if your mass is 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 set, you can only accelerate to get to a certain point to get that force. It, it can't reach an infinite. It can't reach infinity. It mm-hmm. won't. It mm-hmm. won't. Law of like, conservation of mass will not let it. Mm-hmm. So in that sense, it's going to take so long to get anywhere, and and thus to create the energy to move us that distance, we're starting we're, we're draining the mass away like the fuel that is mm-hmm. on the ship so the current problem is the mass to fuel ratio uh, uh, of a rocket right now that's because we're doing certain types of um chemical reactions right, right. and if you get into like you, you talk about your you know if you just have a fire and a fire's you know um, steam is moving a turbine mm-hmm. that's, that's that's energy you, you get into a little bit more um, uh, or greater energy, nuclear energy, right? Mm-hmm. And that's very, very similar process. I mean, it's it's, but it's involving nuclear like uh, fission. Mm-hmm. Um, but nowadays, the biggest thing that that scientists are working on is nuclear fusion. Mm-hmm. And nuclear fusion, it's it's it, that's what the the sun is doing to to create helium. Mm-hmm. And and that is, you know. I'm I'm not even sure the number, but it's substantially more than fission creates energy. So for me, if we're trying to do some type of energy or trying to get somewhere, the first problem to solve is is how do we get those resources there? Uh-huh. And nuclear fusion is gonna have to be the way that we get it long distances and shorter mm-hmm. amounts of time. And then going forward, and okay, so we have uh, let's say we only have one reactor and it's on the spaceship. So how do we create it when we're on the ground? In that sense, your 3D printers have to step back in and I'm assuming some type of right now solar would probably be a best bet I'm not sure in a lot of places there's I don't think there's a lot of wind on Mars to be honest with you no. uh, there might be some sandstorms a little bit but but like in my <clears throat> mind if you set up a wind turbine and it's a sandstorm you're causing damage I would much rather have some type of solar panel that's charging a capacitor battery or some sort that I could cover up now you could always cover up your fans but in order to get the best you know what I'm saying? Stream, it has to be higher up. So you can't really so, do it. Well, the- if you think about it, you know, if we, you know, if you know, we want to get on on the, this rabbit hole a little bit, yeah, is I, like I could talk forever on this. If <laughs> you think about it, you know, Curiosity found out that you know Mars is made 95 mostly made of CO2, and is able to convert that CO2 to oxygen. You know, if you're able to take that CO2, convert it to oxygen, you can turn it to a power source. Hmm. You know, mm-hmm. it, well, if you take it, what does what does what does oxygen turn into? Water. Yeah. What is water? Yeah, bring hydrogen. Oh well, no, yeah. You got hydrogen. Yeah. Now you got a power source to power the three D printers. And you can use yeah. fuel cells. Exactly. Yeah. You start you start you start dealing in that realm. Well, yeah, of course. So hydroelectric power. Hydro, I was gonna say yeah. hydroelectric as well as um, we we have what hydrogen fuel cells as well yeah. too. So. Yeah. So I mean, it wouldn't be me if I didn't give a curveball. So here's the curveball. Oh, so I heard you say fusion, fission. I heard you say. Solar power, I heard you say wind. Yeah. And power city. You know, like chemi- chemical reactions, I heard yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. So you both are familiar with a rail gun, right? Yeah. Nothing but magnets. Why couldn't we make a rocket a rail gun? There's magnetic fields in space. Oh, no, no. You, you absolutely, okay. You absolutely can. Will you survive the inside? No. Yeah, you'd be liquefied by but that But if point. I have, <laughs> if I don't need humans. Oh, okay. And the rocket yeah. is a drone. That's fair. 
no. If, you, if so, you're doing like point to point transport, my, you I just got to make sure you got something that can withstand the G's. I think my biggest question would be with that is if that magnetic field, because it's got to be strong, mm -hmm. if that magnetic field incidentally creates some type of electronic field, because they, they, they propagate off of each other. I worry about the the electronics on the rocket, but not necessarily because, like, say, like EMP bombs, mm. the or the way that they do to protect it, they make shielding around the electronics. So what happens is, is the pulse goes around the box. So maybe so as long okay. as you shield the electronics, the pulses will go around the box. I mean, if you're creating a Faraday cage or something like that, but only the outside of it is is right. uh, magnetic to be able to be projected at that speed, I I don't I think it's possible. I'd be so, afraid of what happens when it lands. So let, let that's me, true. You don't have to worry I mean, about the landing because if I, I got can, a parachute can, on there, no, not even. <laughs> it's got a blanket. If I can <laughs> control the, the if if I can control the magnetic field, yeah. So the, the reason I say it is because, like I said, we was, I was gonna throw the curveball. Mm. You know, it's gonna be some people like what. You know, Nikola Tesla figured out the resonant frequency of Earth. Mm. Why couldn't somebody figure out the resonant frequency of the universe? Harness that energy. That's a big. That's a big equation. I know. <laughs> Have fun, champ. That's a big equation. But <laughs> computers, <laughs> hey, computers are getting. They're getting. They're getting more powerful. No, no, no. They are, and 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 you're not wrong because they did. Like this is something that we could probably talk about on another one, but. Science, physicists actually put the mathematics in for the the Einstein-Rosen wormhole and have kind of created it in quantum computing. So we're gonna stuck in a hole on lost in space, daughter. Yeah, it's. I'm just saying, that's it's terrifying. T ten years from now, ten years from now, we'll be saying, "Oh my God, why do I need a laptop?" Because yeah. your watch will be able to do everything you want it to do. And most of it will be by either it knows you or it'll be by, hey, I don't want to write the stupid paper right for me. Oh, that, that's already around. But, yeah. that but I mean, it, it'll become... Dictation. Yeah. Humans have to become more um, accepting of it. It has to become more everyday. It has mm -hmm. to become a part of life. Like, say, like how tablets pretty much got rid of... Why well, don't they get rid of But Tablets kind of help people steer away from laptops. Yeah. Yeah. Laptops help people steer well, away from desktops. Stuff like that. <laughs> yeah. Smart watches help people say, you know, in the phone, well, you know, I don't need the laptop or the tablet. Mm -hmm. I got a phone and I got a smart watch. Yeah. You know, I, I, at that point, you know, we can go on this for days. And, yeah, yeah, that's you know, true. I, I, we're getting a little long, but, <laughs> you know, not as long as usual, which is pretty good. But, um, you know, with that, you know, with that, here's an idea. Okay. If everybody go, if, if whoever listens, you know, see how many people does it, goes to this video on our YouTube page, and I don't know, uh, uh, let's let, let's say if you if you comment zero G, you know, or vacuum for that matter, we will figure out a way to test a mini three D printer inside of a vacuum chamber. On the YouTube channel for you. That'd be pretty cool. Just to see what happens. So, but that's only if we get you know people that are you know going to that going there and freaking you know putting that comment on there, you know, so we can kind of see what's going on, you know, let's see if they want to do it. We may still do it anyways, but you know for now we're gonna give y'all the the ability to dictate, you know, how fast that how fast that shows up. 
We'll do it anyways, but keep it to ourselves if you don't. Right, exactly, <laughs> exactly. And you know, I want to say, you know, thank you, thank you, thank you. We finally hit that the the the, the magical thousand all time downloads uh, just the other day. Um, you know, never could have thought that we would hit a thousand all time downloads. Never really thought that there'd be ever be a thousand people out there that want to hear me run my mouth. You know, but you know, I do want to say thank you to every single one of you. You know, who listen, who share this with your friends. Um, you know, go out and subscribe to our YouTube channel. You know, share some of the videos. You know, get people out there. Go take a look at the blog. You know, it's doing a real good job on that. Um, you know, at blog.vulcanar.com. You know, go take a look at all that. And, uh, you know, we thank you. You know, I'll turn over the guys for the closing remarks. Y'all have a good one. Yes, uh, like I said, I, I'd like to uh, echo what Nick said. Uh, we appreciate everybody uh, listening, supporting us. Uh, like I said, when we started this, you know, it was, hey, let's do a podcast. And it was like, okay, why not? Uh, because we, we, we like talking about technology. We're passionate about this type of stuff. Uh, we, we, we're probably not the smartest guys, but we're probably one of the most passionate group of guys that you'll meet when it comes to talking about technology. So I would just like to appreciate everybody uh, supporting us. Yeah, I mean, you know, the same thing for me. Like, uh, I, I don't think that uh, if these guys didn't stop us, I don't think I would have stopped. Um, because there's so there's so much more whenever you start kind of opening um, opening that, you know, Pandora's box or that going down that rabbit hole of, of why versus why not, how versus how it's made. I know everybody remembers that show, How It's Made. I used to, ding, 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 ding. Mm-hmm, used to watch it every single day, <laughs> three or four episodes, just because I was... Yeah. It was it was beautiful to see a process. So um, to be honest with you guys, I kind of want to do the thing anyways. Yeah. But mm, I don't know if we should if nobody comments. So yeah. I, you know, I, I want to kind of stick on that piece. So I always have to like give Champ something. You know, I feel like you know. I'm, yeah. I always have to. Champ's you know, homework. <laughs> yeah. Have Have you seen uh, any of the uh, like Mr. Wizard? No. You haven't seen Mr. Wizard. No, I haven't seen Mr. Wizard. The professor that did the experiments. So I gotta look him up then. Look huh? him up, man. Yeah, I'm gonna look him up. I'm gonna look because I because I love I love Neil deGrasse Tyson. Yeah. I love yeah. uh, you know Mitchu Kaku. Well, you know, this all, all this them. guy was way before those guys. Like yeah, this okay. guy, he did like experiments. It's Remember, been, we still need to make him watch Down Periscope. Yeah, I gotta yeah. watch that movie too. But anyways, guys, we digress. Uh, so so we appreciate it. Like it's 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 always nice to see that number. You know, happy a thousand. Uh, thanks again. Uh, comment on the YouTube page. Don't forget that. And we'll see you next time. Yeah, and there could be a, a giveaway coming soon. So, Oh, yeah. Y'all stay tuned. All right. Thank you for listening to the Tech at Lunch podcast, where we hope you learned something about tech during your break or during your lunchtime. If you did, please give us a follow to prevent missing future episodes. If you have any ideas or something you want to hear or learn about, please send us a show idea to podcast at Volcanora.com. Hope you have a good rest of the day and continue learning.